Welcome to the Business Trendsetter Podcast, where we talk about innovation, insights, what's coming next. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartung. We are Spark Partners. To learn more about how we can help your business grow, go to our website at sparkpartners.com. And Adam, as I understand in your uh, new HQ, you are actually doing a bit of construction. Is that correct? It is. It is. We're doing some remodeling work. That's for sure. So I wanted to talk today about the construction industry. I wanted to start with a very personal side from both uh, some of your uh, recent activity. And I want to kind of start to zoom out, talk about the construction industry uh, regionally, globally, and how a lot of trends are are, uh, permeating that industry. And then if we have time, we'll come back and talk a bit about the uh, real estate industry as it pertains to both housing and commercial. So tell us, what, what are you doing at your house? Well, what I did was I, I bought another house uh, that uh, I wanted to start to use and it was not configured with offices. So what I'm having to do is reconfigure the house uh, to to install a couple of offices in it. It's what I'm going through now. Um, and uh, it, uh, as everyone knows, we've been just ending a pandemic and there is, uh, at this time, it's difficult to get people to come in and do things and there's a, and costs of materials are high. Yeah, so I'm uh, in my facility here in Tucson. I share space with a, a number of other companies and uh, one of those companies we actually interviewed a number of uh, um, weeks ago, which is the Desert Pearl Mushrooms. And they are building a couple new uh, grow facilities. And uh, I remember talking to them at one time about the, the cost of the lumber, the materials was just through the roof. Whereas uh, a two by four was, uh, you know, we'll say five dollars. Uh, they were having to pay eleven, twelve, thirteen dollars or more for what was, uh, you know, a pretty accessible, acceptable rate. It was now just outrageous. So I read in the news that things are calming down, but you know, materials is one thing, but then finding the right people to do the work is also very, very hard to find. Did you find any uh, issues with that? Yeah, and I think for our listeners, this is a good time to try to isolate the difference between a trend and a fad or a bubble. Okay, so if we look at what the long-term trends are, people are just astonished, just now sort of getting used to the notion of very, very low interest rates. You know, we had runaway inflation back in the 1970s and early 1980s. Uh, Prices were going up 20% a year in some instances. And, and and it caused a lot of people that are my age and older, or but even a bit younger, to, to have this absolute paranoia about inflation, about the idea that uh, you know just a dollar could be worth nothing. Because they remember that experience. Then it reminds me of my parents who had the same idea. They were always waiting for the next Great Depression to come along because they had been through the Great Depression. So their whole lives, they were waiting for that to occur again. And that's the wrong way to look at things. Because what you're doing is you're looking in the rearview mirror and then trying to figure out what the future looks like. The reality is, is that the way the Federal Reserve operates today and the way we govern the money supply, uh, things have changed remarkably from what they were in the 1970s. And as a result, the concept that we'd have this runaway inflation is, is really not very relevant. But now people are scared to death we'll go from zero inflation to three or four or five percent like that's horrible. When the real, actually, if you've got two to five percent inflation rates, it's good for the economy. It helps with expansion. So that's the first thing is that people, you know, kind of haven't been looking at where the trend is. And the trend is really that we'll probably continue to have interest rates at 5% or below for the foreseeable future. 
that's the trend. And, it, and it's understanding that that's what's happening, not that we're going to get um, another runaway inflation. As a result, now people are taking on more debt. So they're saying, well, hey, if I can get this, borrow this money at 2% or 3%, why don't I borrow that money and go off and either buy a house or buy an office building or, you know, buy something and, and then maybe build it, buy it and remodel it, that kind of a thing. That's a trend. Now, let's look again at what you said about the price of a two by four going from five to twelve dollars. That happened. But I don't know if you're aware, since the first of May, the price of lumber has declined 45 percent. So what we saw there was a shortage of materials. As the pandemic was going along, we didn't have uh, lumberjacks out cutting trees down. Uh, and I say that the term lumberjack, you know, it's all automated today with giant equipment. Um, we did the sawmills, a lot of sawmills closed, so they weren't taking the lumber and converting it into board footage that could be used in a house. So what you had was simultaneously this, this event where low interest rates were being recognized. People started saying, I'll take on more debt, coupled with the fact that we had a supply chain shortage. The first one's a trend. The second one is a bubble or a fad. Because once the uh, once these facilities come back online, we'll be cutting down the trees. We'll, we'll have the two by four. Same thing with you know your metal materials. Same thing. A lot of the mines started to either shut down, slow down. Refinery operations slow down. Steel making operations slow down or stop. Supply chains for moving that product around slow down or stop. So what we have is a bubble in that case. Now what that should indicate to you is that if you need something done today, you do it today. But it's going to cost more than it'll cost in a year. There's just no doubt about it that in a year we'll be in a better position. And then the third thing I want to address is labor. So ever since I was a child, we've had parents telling their children, you need to go get, go get a college degree. You don't find very many people with a college degree deciding they'll be a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician. They don't go into the trades. Where the trades were once considered really phenomenal. I mean, like, you know, it was an honor to go through the apprentice pro pro program. It often took four years to become an apprentice, to go from an apprentice to a journeyman carpenter or a journeyman brick mason. That we thought was great back in the 50s and 60s. But as we get into the 70s and 80s, people are not saying, oh, I'm really proud of my son, the plumber. Or I'm proud of my son, the electrician. And so what we see is a diminution of those sorts of, of work. And that's really a terrible thing, but it was the trend. Right, it was the trend. So now we reach this point where we're in the year 2021, and we haven't been encouraging people to go into the trades uh, for many years. Certainly up to the year 2000, we used to have these what we called vocational technical schools. So if you were in high school, you could say, "I'll get a high school degree in five years instead of four, and I'll be taking half of the day. I'll be taking classes, and half the day I'll be learning to be a welder. I'll be learning how to be a carpenter. I'll be and so you're actually learning the trades in the school." We wiped that out. We got into the 80s and 90s, and we did away with vocational technical education. We stopped funding it because we wanted everybody to go to college. So now we left people, you have to finish high school, you now you got to get into an apprenticeship program. That's often very difficult. It's controlled by the unions. There's a lot of bias there. A lot of times they don't want women, for example, uh, or they might, in some places they've said, you know, our union is mostly Eastern Europeans, and it's hard to get in there if you're Native American, hard to get in there if you're a person of color. So well, so now we have this other trend, which is we have a shortage of these, these workers. So we have a, a demand that's coming along, and that demand's able to continue to be fairly strong in terms of people wanting to get this done because interest rates will be low. But we also have a trend, which is that we have insufficient numbers of people that are in these trades that are able to do the work. So, again, it, it kind of leads to this issue of, of delay. And then let me just cap it off and hand it back to you. It also means that you need to start thinking creatively if you want to go get things done. So instead of saying, I'm going to go 
pour concrete slab or pour foundation and stick build, as we call it, a building, you have to start thinking more creatively like containers. Can I get, you know, you know could you build a container facility for your, uh, for, for as a garage or as your next home or, or as a, some part of your house, you know, if you wanted a, a separate dwelling unit or a casita or something like that, could you use a container? Because now what happens is it's a different process, right? You, you're taking something out there that's not got a lot of use right now. There's a lot of excess containers and somebody converts it into something you could use. Now you've come past that problem that you have with the trend in terms of the bubble with insufficient short-term supplies and the trend of insufficient labor in order to come in and build things. So, you know, doing casino homes, uh, buying prefab steel buildings that you could construct on site very quickly, those kinds of alternative approaches to construction are something that people really need to be considering and considering very strongly because the trends are allowing them to borrow money inexpensively but getting things done is going to continue to be a challenge. Exactly. And what's interesting to note is that the construction industry as a whole is, is also part of all these global trends we talk about. The uh, you know, AI and the gig economy and mobility and uh, you know, uh, asynchronous communications, all that. And so um, I've been reading lots of companies out there that are um, taking the, the very – almost stodgy construction industry and turning it on its head. You're looking at there's new materials that are coming out, new startups that are focusing on, like you mentioned, how can we make this much quicker than before? Uh, you're getting some play, uh, folks that are 3D printing homes and parts of the homes. You're getting some uh, Lego block style uh, construction uh, practices. Uh, you're also getting some uh, level of organizations that are and developers that are building homes for rental from the start. So they're no longer looking at building a huge development to sell. They're looking at almost like an expanded version of, of an apartment complex or a townhouse, if you will. But these are separate single family dwellings. So that whole industry is being looked at uh, within the threshold of all of these trends we talk about day in, day out. Yeah. And, and I think what happens is People, as they live their lives, they're not observing that, so they're not thinking about these creative approaches. You know, I've been in situations where I've talked to some people and I said, well, have you thought about getting a, what they call poured home where uh, they actually bring in a piece of equipment and uh, it, 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 it pours concrete in a way that it builds out the structure? Um, and it can happen very, very quickly. And I've seen tapes of this in Germany, for example. And they look at me like, where did you get that idea? And I'll tell them about the, the YouTube video from Germany. And they're kind of like, wow, I never heard about it. And that, again, is, again, living in a world where you see the trends, but you're not thinking about the implication of it. And those creative approaches, like you talked about, Manny, are going to be really important for the end user. And they're also really important for people in the trades, right? If, you're, if you want to be a builder, like you said, why are you, don't think about the classic ways. Like you said, get creative, you know, think about building things for rental because there are people who do, do not want the burden of home ownership, right? It does create a lot of maintenance issues. So, you know, think about that. Think about how would you build um, structures, you know, garages, uh, office buildings, et cetera, and, and really look, you have to start looking at these new creative approaches, which gets to the, the more difficult part after that, which is, you know, the regulatory bodies, so you've got to get all these things permitted whenever you go to build them. And our, a lot of times our regulations were set a long time ago, a long time ago. And they were set when often 
trying to protect the trades, to be honest, you know, like we don't want to have modular housing or we don't want to have prefab housing. Why? Well, because when that comes in, then the local brick mason or the local carpenter, local plumber, local electrician didn't get the work. It was done somewhere else in a factory and brought in. So they were really, these were protectionist measures in a lot of ways, a lot of these permits. Now those permits are getting in the way of the trend. And so what that's going to involve is those of us as voters have to be aware of these things. You know, think about our politicians and how they set the regulations. And we have to start saying, how can we apply pressure to bring the permitting process and the government process along to modern times so that it is easier to go out and get the construction techniques that are new, like you talked about, or alternative uh, forms of buildings such as these container buildings. Yes. And, you know, as with anything else, any other market, we need to stay focused on the needs of the customers. There are, there are no shortage of customers for housing, for space. Uh, their need might, might have changed for the kind of space they want or need. But in the end, you're still having a, a growth in, in a population and people wanting to, to have their own space and all that. So for those that are in the construction industry that are listening and watching our podcast, You've got to be creative. You've got to look at uh, satisfying the needs of those customers in new and better ways, which, of course, is what the core of uh, innovation truly is. And so uh, with that, you know, let's kind of change the perspective slightly and let's talk again about the real estate market. So whether or not you're building or if you have a building already, uh, particularly with commercial buildings, you know, I've talked to a few people recently that have shared with me that these are folks that own commercial buildings. And on one hand, they're having a hard time with the retail space, the traditional uh, full window style uh, retail space is, uh, I mean, just drive around, look around. You'll see lots of boarded up uh, facilities and, you know, Sears, former Sears, former Toys R Us are just boarded up. And eventually, they become these uh, spirit Halloween things that come in for a few months. And uh, and so, for those that are in the industry, you've got to think creatively on how you're going to take that existing space and make it into something that is more than what it was. And then the other side of the the, the conversation is, in some instances, they're having they're they're full. They've got full capacity when it comes to semiconductor, when it comes to other areas uh, of growth. So how do you see things, Adam, with respect to how these uh, developers and uh, owners of, of a commercial space, what should they be looking at as they try to maintain occupancy and maintain growth in their, uh, in their industry? Well, again, let's go back to the trends. And I think one of the big ones here that affects this industry is the gig economy trend. So during the pandemic, people started working from home. And one of the benefits they quickly observed was the amount of time they saved by not having to commute to an office. So there's been a number of articles that came out in just the last two weeks from like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Washington Post. Easy for you to find if you want to do your own research. And what, they, but what they're talking about is that there was no, not many people quit their jobs during the pandemic, right? I mean, we were all very unsettled. Now the pandemic is coming to an end and we're having a rash of people quitting. And they're saying, my boss now expects me just because the pandemic ended to start making this one hour commute each direction. But you know what? I've discovered 
that with asynchronous communication tools, which is another one of the four big trends, I'm much more productive working not in the office. I mean, there's times I want to go get together with people, but I can get a lot done out of the office. So people are saying, you know what, I'm going to quit. And they're saying, by the way, I'm not going to work if you don't pay me more money because I've, you know, I've decided I'm going to make that leap. I'm going to go a different direction. And so this gig economy is growing. Now, what does this mean? We'll get back to construction office building. It means that the idea of renting out space, uh, say 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 square foot of space for a bunch of people to come in and work together is going to be less in demand because people aren't going to say, okay, we've got 30 employees. Everybody has their own office you know, uh, when we're going to need a couple meeting rooms. Instead, we're starting to see a situation where you need smaller spaces and down to the point that we've been working from home, but people again are starting to say, hey, you know what? I don't really want to work from home. I like working independently, but, but there's definitely some negatives to trying to do this sitting in my laundry room or wherever I, uh, dining room, wherever I've put my home office together. So now what I want is I'd like to have a 200 square foot office or a foreign square foot office. Well, then people jump in and say, well, isn't that where WeWork comes in? And it's like, no, not really. That's sort of a collaborative working environment. And you have to put everything away at night because it's not your office space, right? But now go out and try to find these 250, 300 square foot offices. They're very difficult to find. And then the second thing you'll find is landlords are still stuck in this rut of asking for a one-year lease. Well, you got a lot of people saying, I need to feel this out. I need to try this. I'd like to get, you know, I'd like to take maybe a three-month or a six-month lease you see how it works if I'm trying to work alone in an office somewhere and then, you know, sometimes I work from home, sometimes I'll work in my own office that I'll pay for with my own money so that I can, you know, have a, a, a place that's quiet and I can concentrate and I can do my Zoom calls and that sort of a thing. But we haven't seen the, the landlords and the commercial people react to that yet. They're still sitting out there with, oh, here's a 4,000 square foot facility with nine offices in it. They're not chopping it up. They're all still asking for one-year leases. Because that's the way the world has been. So what we have to do is realize that trend is using asynchronous work tools, gig economy, working independently. Those trends are really ensconced. There's nothing slowing them down. They're growing. People are quitting their jobs, looking for ways to work more independently. And the people with these spaces are going to have to learn to react to that. You know, they're going to have to start saying, how can I make that available? There's a, uh, so there, here's a good example of uh, a couple of developers or uh, owners of commercial space that have been really smart in recognizing that these trends are in fact trends and doing uh, actually a really great job at shifting some of their existing space. So there are a number of facilities that I'm aware of. There's one here in Tucson and some in Phoenix that are kind of like you said, they're, a, they're not co-working in the traditional sense like we work, but they are offering your own personal space that you can lock at night they're also offering, uh, this is interesting for us just to consider, but they're offering podcast facilities. So now you've got this office that is all wired up for a podcast. It's got the acoustic walls. It's got the microphone uh, wires and all that. So that's becoming a thing. Then also, this is also interesting, they have an entire section where they have booths, maybe 20 booths that, that are, I don't know, maybe four feet, four by four, that that have a background so that these social media influencers can do some videos in, with different backgrounds. One of them is all lit up in gold. One of them has like, like blue fur 
and all those other crazy things. And so they're really looking at how can we look and, and satisfy the needs of this new sort of need, this new customer that didn't exist 5, 10, 20 years ago. And those are the folks that are going to actually end up winning if they're able to recognize that these trends are not going away and they, they make some adjustments, some, uh, some TI, you know, tenant improvements to meet the needs of those customers. Yeah, very much so. And, and we talk about this a lot is understanding the unmet needs. When you want to make a lot of money, you don't make a lot of money by trying to do what is already out there better, faster, cheaper. That's just a competitive nightmare, right? You're just slugging it out to try to, to make a little cash. But when you can identify an unmet or undermet need and you come in with a solution, you got a much more likelihood of making a very good amount of money. So let's get, go back to if you've got some office space, you've got the ability to rent it by the square foot. If, some, if, a, if you've got an undermet need, which we've identified here with these trends, and then you come in with the facility you described, you can charge more per square foot, right? Because if I could show up and they'll say, hey, we're ready to go. Here's the key to the office, and uh, you can lock your, your stuff away at night. We, As you said, here's the internet you know, access. You can plug your router in so that you have your own private internet, uh, set it up in there, but we've got access with... Uh, AT&T, Comcast, DISH, whoever, then, you know, they say, by the way, here's over here the, the connection for the television, right? Because a lot of people want CNN or Fox or some other programming running, or if they're working in the evening, sometimes they want entertainment. Uh, some people just like to stream while they're working, you know, they like that, that sense of having something else going on rather than just being quiet. So if all that's there, and you say, it's plug and play, it's ready to go. And then on top of it, you offer off these things like you're talking about podcast rooms and preset booths for uh, Zoom meetings and recordings. Look how easy you're making it for the customer, how you, well you're meeting that unmet need. You're going to get a lot more money per square foot for that, and you're going to bring those customers in. It's also, in my mind, a much easier marketing project because now you know who your customer is, and you can target that person. Hey, you need an, a new office? You need a single office? You, you market it that way rather than just saying, hey, here's some office space, and you have one, you know, one, you have a guy who maybe – wants to move his dental office, talking to somebody who's an insurance agent, and then you talk to somebody else who comes in saying they're trying to open a consulting firm, and then somebody comes in saying, well, I want to open up a rep office to, to, rep, to rep out sales of wine. You know, now everybody's bugging you, and, you know, for that same space, right? And it, because it's not tailored. It's not fitting an unmet need. It's just, it's just there. And so now what we're doing is saying, I've got this value delivery system. It's a building, and I just want to rent my value delivery system out rather than thinking what's my value proposition, who are the customers, and how do I meet those unmet needs. So even in a, something as simple as you said, like real estate in a building, it's not that simple. <laughs> you really have to really think about, wait a minute, what is it that my, what's my value proposition that I would attract customers? How would I get them in here? And what we're seeing is the pandemic has changed the needs. And you really need to think about that if you're in the real estate business, whether it's residential, retail, or commercial, how have those needs changed? Yeah, and it takes a uh, it takes an, a, a mode of thinking uh, of looking at these trends. It takes a fair amount of courage to make those moves. I know of uh, some friends of mine opened up a really cool co working space uh, just south of downtown Tucson called La Suprema, and they offer uh, individual rooms. You know, very small offices. They offer uh, access to a conference room. And all these other amenities that we talk about today as being huge, 
but they created this concept three or four years ago. And how they did that is they looked at the trends of what's happening. People are, are interested in, in the idea of going to an office, having the ability to uh, you know, have the human interaction, having their own space, doing month to month, uh, all the other things we just spoke about, but it happened. And also, also looking at the demographics and realizing that in Tucson in particular, people really are starting to gravitate towards downtown. So they, may, they put all these things together and then from, from doing that initial study, they carved out a, a new business. And as of right now, as I understand, they're, they're full and they're, they're prospering, prosperous. So it just takes a little bit of forethought and a little bit of courage. And again, let's talk about retail. America is the most overstored retail in the world. Right, we have more square footage of retail space than France or, or Germany. More, I'm sorry, more square footage per capita retail space than anybody else. Often by you know two, three, four times more retail office space. Okay, so we've been overstored before the pandemic hits. Now we have a pandemic. So let's think about what does that mean. Well, a lot more people are buying stuff from home now. Let's say it's only ten percent of retail. Okay. You say, well, maybe that shouldn't change things. But the reality is it changes it a lot because now you have people who are saying, I need to get some stuff delivered to my house. I want the convenience of having it delivered to my house. So retail, instead of it just being a, a you know cash and carry, walk in, pull it off the shelf, walk to the register, pay, we have to be thinking about that it's really, you have to be at least hybrid. You have to be saying, well, yeah, here's my products. And if somebody walks in the store, they can see it and we can, maybe it's cash and carry, but I need space in order to package things up to send it to people because I need to be in that e-commerce world simultaneously. The people that kind of survived or got through the pandemic were the ones who said, I'm going to do both. You know, I'm going to try to do as much retail as I can under the conditions that my state allows, but they all had to start to do more e-commerce. So that means now back again to the retail space, are you configuring the space? Are you helping people have part of that retail area that's not customer accessible, but is designed for, in fact, dealing with the e-commerce situation? And then is there an office space then for your tech people to set in who are going to have to maintain the site, run specials, do marketing? You know, now you've got to have people that work in the retail store or work for the retail store, I should say, and they're going to be working at a computer retailing online, doing e-commerce. So now we say, do, what do you, do you want that person there where they can look and see what our inventory is, do special promotions? So you reconfigure it. You, have, you can't just be sitting there saying I, the same old story with retail that it's always been because retail isn't where it's always been. And this is an, actually an awesome segue, Adam, to talk about an event we're happening that's happening on July 1st. Uh, we're going to offer an opportunity for our viewers and listeners to uh, dial in to a free webinar where Adam and I will be discussing, um, actually answering your questions. It's going to be a rapid fire Q&A uh, event. We are, we'll be sending out emails here uh, this week. And if you're interested, uh, you can uh, make sure you're on our email list or you can email me directly at manny at sparkpartners.com. And I'll make sure that you're signed up for that event. It's an exclusive event. We're only going to allow a number of people, a set number of people to be involved, but it's a great opportunity. I spoke to a gentleman this morning that wants, that's about to start a business in customizing uh, some uh, logos and websites and merchandise for pet owners. 
So you think about what happened in the pandemic. Uh, the adoption rate for uh, the pound and all that, the Humane Society, went through the roof. People were at home. They were bored. They wanted something to do, so they went and got a puppy or a kitten or a cat or a dog, whatever. And so that is something that happened as a result of the pandemic. But just in general, there's a, a trend towards personalization. People want to have something that means something of value to them. So he's putting these two things together. And by doing so, he's going to be able to really grow his business substantially and uh, you know, making the right decisions and making sure that the customers are aware of what his offerings are. That's obviously marketing. Uh, and you know, we talk about value and value delivery. He's got to build out all the value delivery uh, components of that. Uh, and certainly that's a, that's a process and there's lots of resources for that. But what we talk about at Spark Partners is really the alignment of the business to emerging trends and how you can really uh, deeply understand your customers, have a way to understand your competitors, and of course, the almighty trend. That's so true. So true, Manny. And I think it'll be a lot of fun for people because it'll be the random questions that put us on the spot. See if we can uh, help them sort through what trends are important to them. See if we can help them separate the trends from the fads, looking for bubbles, looking for opportunities and unmet needs. I think it'll be a lot of fun for people to participate in and, and listen to. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I hope a lot of people go to the site and, and register up. So where's that site again, Manny? So we're actually in the middle of sending out the email right now that, uh, that will notify everybody. But it'll be on our website. There'll be a, a way to sign up. And, you know, this is also an opportunity for me to talk about, um, you know, I like to talk about the, the, the entrepreneur and the mindset that ha they have to have, we have to have. You know, oftentimes we get married and enamored with, our, with an idea. Uh, we love it and we nurture it. And we oftentimes fight the, the, the critics, if you will, that are, that are telling us, hey, you, shouldn't, you should be going in a different direction or you should consider something else. And they push back over and over again as if it's their baby, right? And part of being a successful entrepreneur, successful business person, is being able to take that idea, your quote-unquote baby, and leave it on the ground and, and going in a new direction. So that sort of tough love is absolutely necessary if you want to become successful. If you want to uh, have an idea and hold it like your, your, your little puppy, your little child, then do so, but recognize that there's a, a large percentage of that uh, that sort of mindset that's going to lead you into flat growth and ultimately closing down your business because you didn't hit on a trend. Yeah, I, I, uh, there's a television program running these days, uh, The Food That Changed America, I think is the name of it, and they talk about um, some of these entrepreneurs uh, back uh, like Heinz, those kinds of people that move the food industry forward. And I just recently saw an episode, uh, so that's where my source on this one, I don't know how accurate it is, but the claim that William Wrigley started off selling soap and uh, to get people to buy more soap, he offered a promotion. And one of the promotions he offered was uh, the, the type of, it was a chewing gum, a little different than what we have today, but it was the, the chewing gum of its era. And he started realizing that people were more interested in the promotional item he gave away than they were in his soap. And he eventually changed his business and got in, is when William Wrigley got into the chewing gum business and became. Well, just famous. let's just imagine if 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 he would have been a an ardent, stodgy believer in the soap, and was ignoring all of the messages, all of the people saying, all the customers wanting the gum, 
Imagine the kind of world we'd have now without, uh, you know, juicy fruit and double mint gum and so forth. It'd be a different world. Yeah, we wouldn't even have Wrigley Field in Chicago. Oh my gosh, no Wrigley Field. <laughs> but no, now that's we need to. I'm hoping that we get some entrepreneurs on the phone and we can talk about maybe the blind spots they get from their biases. You know, their beliefs, interpretations, assumptions, and strategies that are embedded in their head, and it creates blinders. And maybe we'll help some people think through some of the things they're not seeing because they're tied or wedded to you know the position they're in today. Exactly. Well, with that, Adam, uh, we're going to sign off today. Go to our website again at sparkpartners.com. Uh, if you're not on our mailing list, please uh, jump on board as soon as you can so you'll get the, the message on the event on July 1st. It'll be in the late afternoon, 4 o'clock in Pacific time. And, of course, for the folks in the East Coast or uh, around the world, it'll be different. So with that, uh, I'll be sending off, Adam, on your final. And uh, have a great rest of the week. Take care. Thank you very much. Cheers.